You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I'm Vienna Farron, a licensed marriage and family therapist. This is a show where I speak with anonymous guests every week about challenges they're facing. We're strangers up until the point we sit down with one another. And I have to tell you, it's actually really challenging to go in without much information or relationship. So every time I sit down with a guest, I'm hearing their story for the first time. And I'm working really hard to create some sense of safety and wanting us to accomplish something, but without forcing it or leading them to a particular outcome. Even though what you listen to in the show is not actually how I work with my clients, it's pretty incredible what a one-off conversation with someone you don't know can lead you to. I'm the author of the national best-selling book, The Origins of You, which explores how to break family patterns so that you can liberate the way you live and love. What I have found time and time again is that the unwanted patterns in our lives today are really unresolved pain from the past trying to grab for our attention. If we can be brave enough to face these patterns, a lot of beautiful healing work can happen. That's why the show is named This Keeps Happening, because who hasn't said that once or twice before to themselves? I hope what you hear today helps you as you go through your own journey. Sometimes learning through other people's stories is a beautiful invitation to learn about our own. Our guests are anonymous. Names and other personally identifiable details within their stories may be changed or excluded. Conversations with participants are limited consultations. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. It is for informational purposes only. Today I'm speaking with Jill. That's her alias. She was raised by her mother, who was a single parent for the majority of Jill's childhood. But six years ago, she found out that she was adopted, and it caused a deep confusion within her, especially because her mother was unwilling to give her answers to any of her questions. She also shared that there was pressure to present in a way that her mom wanted her to. And if she stepped outside of line in any way, she was painted as a bad person. We begin the conversation with a moment six years ago when Jill was told she was adopted. This moment cements a lifelong struggle with trust. So in 2014, I was told to... I think at the time, like, come visit my mom because there was a fight or something was going on between her and my brother, and she wanted me to intervene. At this time, my mom and I were not on the best terms, and so I wasn't very easily reached, I guess is the best way to put it. Had she not used my brother as, like, the the thing to get my attention, I probably would have ignored the outreach. So I went there with the intention of talking to her about whatever my brother was dealing with or whatever was happening between the two of them. And I walk into this like story of this woman who dropped off her baby and, you know, the family didn't necessarily know what to do with that baby, but they loved it and they chose to take it in and all these things. And then like, I'm paraphrasing tremendously, but like at the end of that was, oh, and that baby is you. And so it was a complete like, shock, obviously, in terms of just my understanding of like who I am and where I come from. Yeah. And having that completely within like a a span of 15 minutes, 
like stripped away. So at the time, if I'm being totally honest, I don't remember much. I just remember leaving. I just remember not being able to like understand what was happening and then just like walking out the door. I had called my uncle because he's somebody who I just have very deep love and appreciation and also trust of. I called my uncle and I was like, hey, mom is saying these really weird things. Can you please explain to me? Can you just help me make sense of this? And his response was like, I knew I'd be getting this call one day. And that kind of told me everything I needed to know. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is lovely. So yeah, that's kind of how all of this started. Will you pause there for for a moment? Because I can see and feel a little bit of the emotion that is surfacing just as you, yeah, retell this story. You know, I know this unfolded many years ago, but obviously there's a depth to it and a a presence to it. So just noticing what the emotion is that's rising up for you right now as you tell me about what happened and relive it a little bit here. Yeah, I think if I had to describe it physically, it's like a knot in my throat. I don't really know why. And I think emotionally, it's just confusion and just like sadness really more than anything. That's kind of what I feel. I think a lot of that is because I've I've never really allowed myself the space to go back down and explore. Anytime I try to ask questions about that entire experience, like anytime I try to ask questions about my adoption or just the circumstances or information about like my birth parents, my mom was not receptive. She would flat out just be like, I did what was best for you. And like, that should be that. And I think there's also like this expectation that because she did that, she should be labeled as like the best mother ever. And I shouldn't question anything that comes from her. So that's kind of where a lot of this like bent up emotion comes from is just because I just really haven't been able to process it and not in a way that is meaningful. Yeah. It's so hard to to process information that we don't have. You know, I can hear that part that's like, ah, oh, right. Can you Can you give me some details, some facts, some things that can help me make sense of this story and to, yeah, yeah come up against a wall and not get the information that you're hoping is going to just open something up for you, allow you to process, right? I can, I can understand why it feels like a bit of a dead end. And there's also the idea that truth lives inside of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, yeah, even if I don't have access to the details that I'm looking for, is there still a way for me to process something? And I think that that would be our hope here today to see if we can connect to something. I'd like to go back a little bit because it sounds like even prior to this conversation and the way that your mom, did your mom use your brother and like the issue between them to get you to come over? Or was there actually an issue there? I think it was like maybe 70-30. Like she used him, but also there was an issue. It's probably a split. But you also said that you weren't really speaking to her prior to that. So maybe we can rewind a little bit just so I can understand the dynamic between you and your mom. And, you know, obviously there was clearly a rupture or something that was, had disconnected the two of you prior to this. So maybe share a little bit of that with me. Yeah. If I, if I had to put my finger on it, I think it was, it really just comes down to like acceptance I don't really feel as though my mom ever accepted me for who I was beyond like what she wanted out of me. I think she had this image of a model daughter that would grow up and follow in whatever footsteps she had laid out and be married and have kids, like do all these things. And any indication of deviation from that image led to Mm -hmm. really significant consequences. So growing up, just to give you a little bit more context, my mom and my brother and I lived kind of, it was just the three of us. My brother's dad had passed away when he was very young. And my mom was a single mom raising two kids in a country that she's not from, right? So typical kind of immigrant story, but very much like 
valid in the sense that, um, you know, she didn't speak the language. Um, she relied on me quite a bit by virtue of just being the only kid that spoke English at the time until my brother like got older. And so I, I think there was just like, there's really no child relationship in that regard. It's almost like you're basically another adult in the room, or at least being forced to be another adult in the room. And so the dynamic between us was that I was there for anything she needed. I helped with my brother all the time. And then as I got older, the responsibilities grew and I could, now that I'm saying this out loud, I was less of a kid at a very young age. Mm -hmm. So I think that really the rupture started when I started wanting to do things for myself. And not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to go get my own. Like, no, I just wanted to be a kid. I wanted to like do sports in school. I wasn't allowed to. I wanted to go out with friends. I wasn't allowed to. And so I think I re what people would consider like regular kid things were almost considered a rebellion for me. And because of that, like there was a lot of things that I did as a kid that I like in hindsight for sure regret. I had like stolen money from my mom at one point because I just wanted to go shopping or... I would make friends behind her back and not tell her about them because I just didn't feel comfortable that she would be accepting of my friends. Any of the friends that I did bring around, she was super critical of unless they fit a specific mode, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. And so that's as far back as I can take it right now. I think that's kind of the dynamic. Yeah, you, you I could see you sort of click in yeah. to that part when you were like, <laughs> Now that I'm saying this out loud, right? I'm like, I am actually realizing and really maybe acknowledging how significant of a loss there was for you in your in your childhood, right? Like this part that just couldn't be a kid in an age appropriate space, right? That like you were really asked to step into an adult role into a partnership role to some extent, right? In a caretaking role, which, yeah, you did some caretaking for your mom. And yeah, to your point, right, often is the case in immigrant families, right? Where you're doing a lot of the communication and translating and navigation of all the things that need to get done. And then also being a parental role to your brother, who was how much younger than you? He's five years younger. So it was, it was not so substantial, but it's substantial enough. Absolutely. Was there any story around, I know you said single mom, mm -hmm. it was the three of you. Was there ever a story about where the other adult was? Because so much of where we're starting this conversation is about information either being withheld or kept from you. So I'm curious from the beginning, actually, what the story was about you and your life and the humans in it yeah that's the part that breaks the trust for me like that it mm -hmm. was that moment coupled with the adoption piece that breaks the trust for me so I'll dive into that a bit growing up the story that I was given was that mm -hmm. your dad meaning my dad was a terrible person constantly cheating mm. not a good man he was a lawyer I knew that much and that he and my mom separated shortly after I was born. So that was the story that I was given. Wow. That story would then be used in my later, like toddler. I moved to the States when I was six. I was in my home country between born and six. And then that's when I came here. Yeah. And my mom, by that point, had already married my brother's dad, which he passed a couple years later. So in my later years after moving to the States... That story of my dad being just like a crappy person would then be used as like punishment if I did anything bad. And bad is like so relative, right? Like I was being a kid. Mm -hmm. If I did anything bad, the conversation would be, I'm going to send you back to your dad and you're going to go live with your stepmom and she's going to treat you like absolute dirt. And that was pretty much like mm -hmm. the perpetual, you know how they have like carrots and sticks? Like that was the perpetual stick, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. So that's the story that I grew up with. Taking that together with the fact that my brother's dad passed away, my brother knew his origin, right? Like he knew kind of his dad mm -hmm. was sick. He passed away, unfortunately. I don't know that my brother ever really dealt with that, but that's another conversation. But my mm -hmm. brother on the flip side was the orphan in the family. He was the one who lost a parent 
And religion says that you need to treat the orphans with the utmost respect and the utmost love and the utmost care. And so when you take the two side by side, there was this, at least from my perspective, I vividly remember asking and saying things like, well, I don't have a dad either. Like, why don't I get this consideration? Or why don't I get this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I feel that I could feel that pretty viscerally actually in my body when you were were sharing that. Do you know if that human that your mom was describing actually existed? Like, was she thinking about someone that she had been with previously? Do we know that this person? (laughs) Yeah. I think she was referring to her first husband who's not my dad, right? But like, I think that's who she was drawing inspiration from to feed this narrative. Yeah. Wow. You know, there's a lot, right, to to the story that has been created for you. It's very hard to place ourselves, I think, when there's a lot of untruths around us. And I'd like for us to just focus on that impact on you, right? Like we could probably sit here and try to understand why your mom needed to come up with a story and, you know, what that served for her. And I'm, I'm sure there's some context that could make that make some sense, but that doesn't feel important for us. I don't think, you know, it's like you've been existing from the get go with a lot of confusion, with a lot of untruths, around you, you know, and you've mentioned the word trust. And I think that's like the rupture of trust in the beginning. And then this rupture of trust that happened, you know, six years ago. And then I think just sort of like the rupture in continuing to ask for information to try to create a sense of a story and a picture for yourself that you know, she's unwilling to engage in that continues to kind of chip away at that. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about your relationship to trust, uh, not just with your, with your mom and your family, but with others. You know, I am often thinking about how the irresolution right, of our story um, finds ways to show up in our current lives, right? And so like, what does it look like for you to trust other people? Right? Is that hard for you? Are you able to discern? Are you able to trust yourself? You know, what is it like? Because I think there's such a divide when I was saying earlier about an internal truth, right? Like a, a sense Some might call it intuition, right? Some might call it something else, right? But it's like, yeah, this internal sense of like, is something off? Is something on? Like, what is this? But having to disconnect from that to some degree in order to go along with the story that we're being told. So my question is around relationship with trusting others and relationship with trusting self and how you see that playing out currently. It's interesting because I consider myself to be an open person, which can sometimes, I think, be conflated with being trusting. I don't know that I trust easily, if I'm being totally honest. I think that I, I can be so, trusting. So, okay, hold on. Yep. Re- rephrase that, that sentence. You just said, I don't know if I am a trusting person. So, like, let's drop the I don't know because even in the I don't know, right? You see the expression of your (laughs) uncertainty. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But it's like, I don't know what it is that I'm actually telling you. And if we're talking about trusting self, right? I'd love for our language to match what's true. Even if you need to take a moment to consider like what is actually true about what I'm going to say. So is it true that you struggle to trust other people? Yes. Or that you don't give trust away easily? Yes. Okay, so you say it now about yourself. Yeah, it's it's true that I don't trust people and I don't give trust easily. And based on what, what just happened, you could probably sense that I also don't trust myself <laughs> as much as I probably should or would want to. What part do you think gets confused, right? You said, I'm open, 
right? So it's the illusion that you can get close to me or you can connect with me or I'll share my story with you, You, right? Like what's the, what do you think people see as trust or connectivity that is really just something else? At least for me, and this is just based on like my experiences obviously, but trust to me comes with a certain level of safety, at least from the way I see it there's a possibility for me to be open with you about my story, right? There, I can I can share my experiences. I can share what I've dealt with and done because I'm at a place where I'm either overly compartmentalizing and it's just not affecting me anymore, or I'm just open to sharing it in the hopes that it would help somebody else. But to be able to trust that someone is going to take that information, not use it against me, or not use it to my detriment, or actually create a safe space for me is not something that I do regularly. Like in my openness, I do it with the expectation that like, okay, I should not expect or seek anything from the people that I'm being open with. And I think that's the, that's the distinctive like factor for me, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. I know that our situation here is not super conducive, right, to lots of safety and trust being built in such a short amount of time, right? But I am wondering what you might be seeking from me in this conversation here, right? You're like, oh, I could share this story. Maybe this story is going to offer something to someone else who listens to this story somewhere in the world, right? But if we actually made it about you, right? If we're like, you know what? Like, let's actually use this time for you, right? In your wildest dreams, in your greatest imagination, right? Like, what could you and I do here that would actually be meaningful for you? Why did you sign up for this? You know, I asked myself that question when um, when I called in and I was like, okay, why would I want to do this? And obviously you get like the, I would love for this to be able to help someone. Like you get that initially, mm-hmm. but more than anything, like, do you know that saying where it's like people who do the same thing over and over again, but expect a different result? Like that's the definition of insanity. So I think that mm-hmm. like this for me was trying to do something different, whether it be by like gaining a different perspective or by just talking to a different person I'm -hmm. reading your book so like that was also like a portion of it that I was like okay this resonates more than anything clarity whether it's clarity of one little thing that could change how I look at something or Mm -hmm. clarity of like how to move forward that would probably be my wildest dream kind of like ask for this so yeah that's kind of where I would where I would want to go yeah so let's think about what moving forward looks like, you know, when you think about 
I guess when I think of, when I hear not moving forward, I think of stuck or trapped Mm -hmm. or, and maybe you fill in, you know, like what is your actual experience, right? When you can't move forward with something, right? How do you experience that in your body? Stuck is a a good way to put it, not just like literally, but like figuratively, mentally. Mm -hmm. Blocked is also like another, another way, like the same way like a yeah. author would have like writer's block like i feel like sometimes i have life block i tend to be an an ambitious person from what i think however when you are in these like moments of like lack of clarity or lack of like resolve when it comes to something mm-hmm. you almost feel crippled right like you can't do yeah. anything no matter how much you want to do the thing like you're either self-sabotaging or like you're making making excuses for yourself or you're justifying why your inaction is actually better than your action. Like those, those types of things are usually how it manifests for me. And then just like a genuine sadness, like where you don't exactly know why you want to cry all the time, but you just want to cry all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. That's kind of how it manifests for me. Yeah. Let's, See if you can answer this question. What I think I need in order to become unblocked is. What I think I need in order to become unblocked or unstuck is. Okay, I'm going to try and you tell me if I'm going in the right direction. What I think I need to become unblocked is a recognition of my own value. And I don't think mm-hmm. I have that today. From whom? Myself. Mm. Why are you valueless? I think that so long, well, let me not use I think. For so long, my value has been derived from what I do for the people around me. What I can give, what I like monetarily, gift-wise, like whatever. Mm-hmm. What I've accomplished, education, job, status, like whatever, those things, the typical, I've never felt valuable just by being me. Being me, in whatever sense of that word, right, has always either been problematic or told it wasn't enough. How much do you believe that? That who you are has been problematic? That's a tough question. Uh Um, I want to say I don't believe it, but there are moments that come up where you almost like, that's your fallback where you're like, okay, this is happening because I am, you know what I mean? Like I am this person, therefore this must be true. It almost like reinforces the thing that was never meant to be reinforced. On a scale of like one to 10, how much I believe it changes day by day but it doesn't go below a five. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 problematic one, I, I guess when you said that, it, it brought me right back to how your mom would describe when you were, as you put it, like just being a kid, right? Like you were not ever really doing anything that was outside of the scope of what, you know, so many of us do at um, different points in our lives, right? But that you got labeled as problematic and that that behavior was then punished through threat. Meaning you're going to have to go live with this horrible human, right? this really terrible, bad person in the world. And then this sort of like made up story and his his partner who's going to treat you terribly, right? And so like, here's where the bad kids go, right? Is that you are going to lose your connection to me who is your primary attachment figure, mm-hmm. right? right? That's what my mom was threatening in those moments. Yep. Right? It's like you are going to lose contact with me because of your problematic nature and your problematic nature needs to be punished in this way. You're leaving, you're going to go away. Was there ever, did you think you, there would be a return did she ever say like you you only go for a little bit then you have to come back or it was like you're going to be banished like you're going there. There was never yeah there was never like a end date 
And yeah. there are sometimes, like now that I'm thinking about it, there are sometimes where she would say things like, and even if you call me to come get you, like I won't do it or something like that. Mm. So it was it was never really mm-hmm. like a, you're only going to do this for a certain amount of time just to see how good you have it with me. And then you can come back when you learn your lesson. Like that never, yeah. that never came up. Do you remember what that was like for you as a kid? I don't know if we're allowed to cuss on here, but it was pretty crappy. <laughs> it was pretty crappy. Like, <laughs> I, I, I also think it was just like, I just, I always felt the rug could be ripped out from under me at any time. I never knew what version of her I was going to get, depending on what I did. Mm-hmm. Like, I can do the same thing on two different days and they'd have two different reactions. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So it just felt very... Hey, tell me... Yeah. God. I was going to say, I, maybe you were just about to go there, but I was going to ask for you to expand on the on the crappiness. You know, like if you can really tune into that and just witness and connect with what that threat was like for you and what not knowing what version of mom you would get was like and just how quickly you could be disposed of. Yeah. I mean, it really didn't feel good. It felt very inconsistent, obviously, but it it also just felt like unstable. Like I was always like on my toes. I became a really good liar. Like I know that sounds like a weird thing to Mm -hmm. say, but you almost had to mask like your emotions and mask what was really going on to be able to give the right answer or the expected answer. I just remember it feeling very volatile, like you never really know where you stand with this one person. Um, And you also never really know whether like the next step you take could lead you down a path of just like pure mayhem and, you know, abuse and yelling and all that stuff. Or if it could be like, oh, okay, I'm safe. It's almost like if you've ever watched Squid Games and that game where they jump on like the block, that's literally what it's like. You just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, am I going to go crashing down or am I going to be on a stable block? Yeah, until the yeah. next time I have to make another step. Let's take one last break. We'll be right back. NetCredit is here to say yes. Because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. I totally follow what you're saying, becoming a really great liar, right? Becoming a really great masker of what's actually happening, right? Because you're having to be really clever, I think, in many ways of how you respond and what you're paying attention to. And if there are any tells or signs of which version of yourself then you need to present in response to which version of her might be in the room. I wonder a little bit about that skill set that you developed, how much that disconnects you from how do I actually feel, right? Again, like sort of circling back to trusting yourself. Yeah. So, so much. Like even to this day, there's times like in my romantic relationships, like there's like the answer that this is how I feel answer. And this is the, what do Mm -hmm. they need to hear answer? 
And more often than not, I'm always going with the, what do they, what do I think they Mm -hmm. want to hear answer just to appease and just to like, let this argument or whatever it is, like just blow over. Cause I just don't want to deal with, I don't want to deal with the ramifications of expressing my feeling. I also don't know how to express my feeling by virtue of like never really being given the opportunity. Um, and so you you end up becoming quite literally a chameleon. Like you fit in wherever you go. Yeah, a great shapeshifter. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, shall we try something? Sure. I'm done. Okay. You feel okay to close down your eyes? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, keep if you want to open them, you can open them. Okay. Yeah, keep them closed. I might take some notes and jot some things down. So that might be okay. why my eyes are open at a particular time, but I'm I'm in with you. And maybe just take a nice deep breath in and out. And in again. And out. And just return to your breath in whatever way feels good. And I'm just going to ask you some questions and you will just respond with whatever it is that comes to mind first. Like just don't overthink it, okay? Okay. So we'll practice one. What I feel or how I feel right now is you don't have to repeat what I said, just respond. Hopeful. Say it again. Hopeful. Yeah. Where I feel that hopefulness in my body is. Mm. Probably my brain. Like my head. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel hopeful because. I'm actually doing the work. Hmm. I've avoided or resisted doing the work because. Never really had the proper guidance. Mm -hmm. Not having proper guidance in my life was. Um, I want to say like confusing, but also just Mm -hmm. complicated. Like it made things complicated. Without overthinking it, my mom was human. Mm-hmm. Her humanness is. Mm. I don't understand the question. If I'm being honest, like, what mm-hmm. it, what would you like me to describe exactly? How you think about her humanness? It was both this and that. Right? Her humanness um, was. I think her humanness was both flawed and determined, I guess. Okay. Yeah. What I wish that she understood about me was. That's a tough one. Keep breathing. That I'm not a bad person. Yeah. And just breathe into that. Just notice where you feel that in your body. You can put a hand on it if that feels comfortable. I know I'm not a bad person because I just love so deeply. And him because I just genuinely try to be the better person of myself every day. Mm -hmm. Mom needed to see me as the bad person because um, I don't know. I want to say like to feel better about her own like decisions Mm -hmm. um But I don't even know that that's true. It's okay. Another breath. Mm 
if I could speak directly to my mom, what I would want her to know is? I would want her to know that despite the fact I may not have turned out the way she would have hoped for, I am a pretty dope person. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that, you know, her hard work and trying to raise two kids, it wasn't for nothing. Mm. Yeah, let's try to say that directly to her now, okay? Oh, man. Speak it like you're speaking it to her. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're going to make me cry a bunch of times. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, so say it as if I'm saying it to her. Say it as if you're saying it directly to her. Okay. Um, Despite the fact that I may not have turned out the way you wanted or had hoped for, I still think I'm a dope person. And I want you to know that all of your hard work in raising two kids by yourself is not for nothing. Thank you for. Thank you for. Oh, that's tough too. Um, Thank you for all the lessons all of the insight. Thank you for my brother. Yeah, that's really it. Hmm. What I wish that you could share with me is? Uh, what I wish that you could share with me is your pain. What I think your pain is. What I think your pain is. Oh my gosh, there's like a list. What I think your pain is. Probably like your own wounds from from your childhood. Differences with your siblings. Not having like fit in anywhere within your family probably relationship trauma if I'm being honest maybe even like past sexual trauma I don't know but that's my speculation yeah what I can relate to the most is what I could relate to the most in terms of her pain or mm-hmm. what I could relate to the most is not fitting in anywhere and yeah not fitting in within the family Probably. Yeah. Mom, I struggled to fit in because. Oh, mom, I struggled to fit in because I wasn't ever accepted for being myself. Yeah. Who I am is. Who I am is a loving, funny, considerate, and caring human. Hmm. I know that to be true because... Um, uh, I know that to be true because it's what I get from the people I care most about in my life today. Or it's how I'm received. I wish you could see that and know me this way because... I wish you could see and know me this way because we could have a really great relationship and I think that you would find me to be a great friend or a great companion. I don't know. What our relationship is instead. What our relationship is instead very distant. um, Very transactional. And almost non-existent. Yeah. What I want you to know about how that has impacted my current life and my current relationships is... Oh, let's see. 
What I want you to know about how that has impacted my current life and my current relationships is, and this can be like for better or worse, I don't really rely on people. I have a hard time trusting people. In my current relationships, whether romantic, well, with romantic relationships, it's very difficult, but in my platonic relationships, um, I've, I've gotten a lot of fulfillment from them because of it. If there is one final thing that you can reveal to your mom right now, what would it be? No consequences, no reaction, I mean, just something that you wish could be heard. I think more than anything, probably like, I would just want her to know that nobody's expecting her to be perfect or to be like the perfect parent. We just want to know that she's accepting and loving. Like that's all we really needed. Like we recognize that she did the best that she could with what she had. And that despite that, like the material things don't matter. It's really just her presence that was ever desired. That's all. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. So just take another breath in. Out. And then just slowly sort of come back into this space. Just remember where you are. You can look down first. Take a moment. Wow. <laughs> that was tough. Yeah. Okay. What was that tough was about it? Tough. Um, I don't, I think at one point, like my eyes are closed, obviously. I could mm-hmm. feel this room spin. Like, mm. literally feel this room spin. I think it was tough just from the standpoint of like really confronting those emotions. Like it's not every day that you sit there and think about talking to the person that you want to say these things to and saying those things out loud. So it was tough. And then it's like, you almost ask yourself, okay, if I am given the opportunity, what would I say? And then you realize like, you don't know what you would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But thank you. That was, mm-hmm. that was really helpful. Those are the things that you would want to say probably, but choosing whether or not you would actually say them, right? Maybe is the, is the difference, right? I think there was a lot of honesty in what you were, were expressing there. You became emotional when you were talking about like wanting her to know that you're a good person. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't know why I just, I've always been like labeled as a bad person with her. Like whether, you know, there, there was a lot, there was a lot of name calling growing up a lot. I was constantly called out of my name, whether I was, you know, slut shamed, even though I'd never even done anything remotely close to sexual, um, from a very young age. Right. Like, um, and even as I got older, there was just a lot of name calling. And so, and, and none of the names were ever positive, right? So like in your mind, you're always kind of being labeled this bad person. And I just want her to know that that's not true. Like I'm, I'm not a bad person. I don't think that she'll ever actually accept or learn that, but it's my hope. <laughs> um, One can hope, you know, one can hope. And I think... It's beautiful for you to hold that as, yeah, that a, a wish that she would be able to come into contact with that. But what I'll say is that for me, it feels so important that you do, that you remain in contact with that, right? That expressing your true self, 
your authenticity, how you actually feel, right? Remember when you were saying the difference between like how I really feel versus what I need to do to make sure that I'm giving the answer that the other person wants to hear, right? And that's like that I can be expressed, that I can be myself, whatever that means. Right? Right. That's, a, that's a long quest, I think, for, <laughs> for so many of us, right? It's a, it's a lifetime, right? Of like, who, who am I really, right? right. But that I can be myself, that I can express myself, that I can be honest with myself and others. And that in that I am still good. Yeah. That's been the journey for me. Over the last, I think, maybe even like six to eight months, that's been, that's been the quest is like, if I don't get that from anybody else, if I don't, if I don't get that validation from anybody else, just by virtue of me being on this planet and contributing to it in the most positive way that I can. And even if I don't contribute, right? Like even if I just sit here and go to work every day and like come home and watch Netflix, like there's still, I want to believe that I am good and I can be good and do good and strive for good regardless of whether or not that is seen by her or by anybody. That's just really hard. (laughs) Do you think that we can break good down? What makes someone or you good? There's a label, and we might have some thoughts about it, but like, what's in it? For, I mean, for me... What I've found is when I when I look at it from a as much of a non-judgmental place as I could, when I see someone that's just like themselves, right? Like you can when you come across people like that, like that and that energy is so infectious that they just make you want to do and be all that you can be. Like that to me is just so beautiful. And that's kind of what I strive for and and not necessarily like what I define as good, but like, I just love seeing people just being authentic and being themselves and using that literally almost as like a superpower. Yeah. It's so beautiful what you're describing. It really is. And you're moving away from like, I am good or bad. You're, you're describing how you want to exist in the world. Right. Right. And what I hear you saying is that I would like to exist authentically. Yeah. That's something that you can do. I guess I just have to learn how. (laughs) That's okay. But it's to exist in the world authentically, right? Because, yeah, you are very conditioned, right, to observe your surroundings, your the people around you, what other people need to hear and to choose to prioritize that over your authentic expression, right? Existing in the world in the way that you just described, right? And that's, you've, you've had to do a lot of managing of others and the system in order to create like, literal safety for you and enough stability for you to exist, right? Because the instability that's around you, right? That was around you was really, you know, it it shook a lot. And so your ability to observe and manage and mastermind what was around you was a real skill set of survival for you. Yeah. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Yeah. 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 It's interesting you use the word survival because I've I've been exploring that quite a bit from the standpoint of like, you know, you're right. There was there was a time in my life where that's what life required was survival. Mm-hmm. And I've been moving through this different phase in my life with those same survival techniques and strategies. And I'm not necessarily in a place of needing to survive anymore. It's like, okay, well, how do I grow and how do I then go from like survival to being able to thrive? And that has been the challenge for me. Yeah. I've been translating survival skills to thrive mode and they're not, they're not being received very well. 
Well, in survival, there's not a lot of choice. Yeah. Right? Survival means the absence of choice, I think, the majority of the time. And I think this shift that you're talking about is like, how do I choose differently? Or choose how do I choose to begin with if you've never really been given the choice? Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's always this risk, right? Because when you're so good at managing people around you and the system, right? it's like you can kind of control certain outcomes, mm-hmm. right? You can sort of like navigate through it fairly well. And it's interesting because I think, you know, what happened six years ago, you know, was this like, even though you're really good at managing the things, it's like, oh, life just kind of hits you with something that you can't manage, right? Where you're like, wow, yeah. this information just came in. No one asked me about it. No one, you know, like I didn't consent to being uh, Told informed <laughs> in this way. Yeah, exactly. Right? right. It's like, it just kind of comes railroading in and shakes up your world in a really significant way. And life, I think, sometimes does do that. We hold this illusion of control and, okay, I've got it all figured, you know, and it's put in its place and then something happens and it and it shakes our world up. And yeah, that was something that happened a number of years ago. But to shift into a space of choice, of choosing to exist in the world in the way that you feel most compelled to, right, which is authenticity, right? And I know you're like, okay, I still got to figure out what that really means and what that looks like. But I know it's like my guiding light, right? I want to exist in the world this way. But what I also know is that existing in the world that way does risk something, right? It risks that somebody might be upset with me or disagree with me or be disappointed in me. It risks that someone might see me in a way that is different than how I see myself. Mm-hmm. I've dealt with that quite a bit too. Yeah, of course, of course, right? But there's a, there is a, there's this risk and this chance that we eventually take to say, I know myself well enough. And maybe this is a journey of getting to know yourself even better, right? but I know myself well enough that when other people label me, in a way that is where there's like a dissonance, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really doesn't connect with me. Yeah, it's like, then that doesn't take over me. And it takes a lot, I think, to get to that place. And people's feedback is really valuable. I'm not suggesting that we should never receive feedback from people or like, hey, I'm seeing this in you and we want to take a look, of course. But when it doesn't align, right, that it's not something that takes over. This is so tied to what you've already named here. And what I said, right, is like, you know, your mom is your primary first attachment. And that first attachment told you a lot of things about yourself that were untrue. And I think that there's work there that continues to need to be done so that you can disconnect, right? So that there's space between you and other. It's like, of course, our narratives and beliefs about ourselves are so closely tied to the families that we grow up within. Yeah, absolutely. Those people tell us who we are. They tell us who we are. And you were told something that, you know, you were told something that you shouldn't have been told. Yeah. And I don't use should a lot. (laughs) But you were told something that was really hurtful and harmful to you. And it sounds like it was, you know, abusive and has left some significant wounding there for you. Yeah, thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah, of course. I love your hopefulness and I love your possibility and I love what you hold for where you could go. And I love that we are translating good to existing in the world authentically. That feels hopeful and like a possibility for us. 
And I also think there's a lot of pain that you hold around what it was like for you growing up and how someone in that role could speak to you that way and tell you those things. And we believe those people and we believe that they're right. right? That's all we know. Yeah. And so there's some work to do around that, I think, in order to separate yourself out from it. I wanted to just check in with you and just see, notice what you're feeling, what thoughts you might have, what feels open for you. Um, I definitely feel a little lighter. So thank you. I'm really, uh, I don't want to say eager because that more speaks to like this haste, but I will just use it in absence of a better word for now, but like eager to kind of continue doing the work. A lot of what you described are things that like I've been coming across and even though it's like an intersection I get to and I'm like, okay, which way do I take this or how do I approach this? Um, it's still something that sounds a little familiar just from the practices I've been doing with like my own therapist. So it's good to kind of feel aligned in that regard. And and yeah, I I feel as though like not talking about a lot of this stuff for as long as I have avoided it, whether consciously or subconsciously, is really not making it any better. It's kind of just like building and building. And I, I really appreciate like the opportunity to just unpack a little bit of that with you for, again, not a cliche to unpack with a therapist, but just, you know, the ability <laughs> to unpack some of that with you and, and, you know, even use that in my own, um, in my own sessions moving forward. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that knot in your throat that you had described before, right? It's like that piece that wants to be moved right? So that something can come forward, be expressed, come out, right? And so that, yeah, that physical sensation that's there, I think is, you know, pointing you to how much blocking is there, right? And for you to pr participate in the unblocking. So, gosh, I know there's so much that we mm -hmm. we could have talked about. There's so much more to to address, but this is a beautiful start. And I'm very grateful that you came here to chat with me and, and share your story and more than share your story, right? For you to find a little bit of clarity um, and not to just be of service to others. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. There's a lot to Jill's story, but one of the main things is that she wishes that her mom would see her as a good person. I'm going to take this moment to ask you as the listener to think about what you wish a parent or an adult in your life saw or noticed in you. Just take a moment to answer that right now. What did you crave for here? And maybe consider what ways you had to adapt in an attempt to get the outcome that you wanted. What Jill did was become a successful shapeshifter. But in order to be that, she had to successfully deny her authenticity. Right? Those two can't coexist. Jill's environment didn't allow her to bring her authentic self forward. There wasn't room for it. There wasn't capacity for it. Right? That space was denied. But what was also denied was truth. Family secrets and information being withheld can be deeply destabilizing. It rocks us. It not only impacts a sense of trust with others, but it makes us question our own selves too, right? Because generally we can feel something is off and we're sensing it, but what we're sensing is being denied or rejected or just, yeah, flat out, you know, maybe we're flat out lied to. This whole process can leave us questioning what's true and untrue, whether we can trust ourselves or not trust ourselves, right? The sensation that we have in our bodies must be off, right? It's just confusing. And all of this can leave us feeling hypervigilant or doubtful around others and ourselves. 
So some questions, I think, for us to consider. What happens if you can never get the answers that you're seeking? What happens if you can't connect the dots or make your story make perfect sense? Especially when you can feel that something is off. It's so easy to get lost in the details or try to get the facts when sometimes what we need to do is just drop in to what we are feeling and the sensation that's arising. Maybe this is an invitation to release needing to know and to strengthen trusting what you feel. And maybe if you can begin to trust what you feel, there will be more space for your authentic self to begin to come forward. This Keeps Happening is hosted by me, Vienna Farron, with production support from Anita Flores. Special thanks to Amelia Chapelo for editorial support. Our engineers are Jared O'Connell and Brendan Burns. Our theme music is by Casey Holford. Our managing producer is Tamika Weatherspoon. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana from Stitcher Studios, Keith O'Connell, and Will Rogers from Soundbite Entertainment. Stitcher. How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Whoa, Dad, we're on Crunch Island. <gasps> it's Jean LeFoot. <laughs> and he stole our crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away. Throw our last crunch berry. No! No one steals my crunch berries. I think you mean my crunch berries. Choose your own crunch venture with Captain Crunch. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Tremphia.